0: Well at the I feel like we're at risk of you experiencing giving fatigue. Um, but I do just want to remind you guys that we throughout the rest of the month and really up until the end of the year are going to continue collecting for the World Evangelism Fund, which uh, hopefully you've kind of learned by now, uh, that that goes to support a number of different, Uh, ministries and efforts through the Church of the Nazarene, and it's basically what helps us do what we can do and to be a presence in each of our places all around the world. Um, And so BFCN has a goal of $7,000 to kind of uh, complete our World Evangelism Fund. So uh, we have different budgets and things, um, and that's determined by a number of factors. And, And so our goal to kind of round out this year is $7,000, and that's a lofty, lofty goal, uh, but I just want to share that with you and just continue to ask you to consider, pray about this, uh, how the Lord might be calling you to give to the World Evangelism Fund um, so that we can continue to do uh, what it is we do as the Church of the Nazarene, and so just wanted to kind of bring that before you and hopefully helps you to understand better what the World Evangelism Fund is and and where exactly that goes. So we'll have another video for you next week to kind of give you additional perspective on that, okay? Um, There's a lot going on this morning. So I do want to share just one photo that we have really quickly from our shoebox packing party on monday Uh, we did successfully you probably saw the shoeboxes out there they are packed and loaded and they're ready to go Uh, so thank you to all of those who came and supported that Um, i know that not many are available to come on a monday morning to help with that which is perfectly fine but uh, for those who are able to, uh, we're always very appreciative, and it's just a joy to partner with the Home Homeschool group. Uh, they are a delight and feel like family at this point, and so uh, we're just so excited to get to share in that together. And then finally this morning, before we move into the sermon, um, it is the third week of November, the third Sunday of November, and I want to uh, really quickly just highlight... Um, one of the many volunteers around here that I'm grateful for. This particular volunteer is probably walking around out in the foyer somewhere, and so I hope that they are listening uh, and standing by. But um, uh, today I want to honor Greg Parcell. So Greg Parcell, where are you? Yeah, Bo's like, that's you, Greg, come on. (laughs) Here he comes. Um, as Greg is coming, I I want to honor Greg today. Um, man, I'm just so sensitive to the fact that people really don't like to be brought forward and recognized. Come on up here. Um, but I am really thankful for Greg because Greg has a heart to serve, and he serves in so many different places in our church. And Greg is the type of of person who gives himself completely to whichever area he's helping with, and like he ensures that every detail is covered and he takes what he does very seriously and doesn't stop until it's complete and right in the way that it should be. Uh, You probably see Greg running around all the time on a Sunday morning and he is doing a number of things. I couldn't even list them all if I tried and there's more things that he's trying to do to uh, kind of install here at BFCN because he sees areas where we can improve and be more safe and secure and all of that and so I'm so grateful for his heart his humble heart, uh, his willingness to serve, and I just want you to know how much I appreciate you, Greg. So thank you so much. I appreciate all you do. Thank you. And just a joy to be around. He's just always so uh, joyful, and I just really appreciate that. All right. Well, uh, so... It is the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Happy week of Thanksgiving. I'm sure we're all uh, preparing for what Thursday looks like or whatever day you might be celebrating or gathering with family. Um, It's gonna be a busy week. Many of us are traveling or preparing for family who are coming here. And this is always an interesting Sunday to try to prepare for in terms of what I will preach because I definitely feel this pull to be on theme Right, and talk about something Thanksgiving-y, what are we thankful for, that kind of thing. And so uh, I'll let you determine how well I do that. I kind of am doing it, but kind of not. We're going to go in a little bit of a different direction, but you'll see. Uh, one of the things that I am sure that we will see on Thanksgiving somewhere on the interwebs, somewhere on social media, is the, the cliche picture And it might sound like I'm like totally knocking this and making fun. And I'm not, okay? I'm just observing and acknowledging that at some point we will see the cliche picture. You may see it from me. I may be the one that posts it. Uh, The cliche Thanksgiving picture, whether it's the people around the table or in my case, a lot of times it's the food that I'm about to eat that I'm really excited about, uh, whatever it is. And, And you might even see a picture that has the caption, with hashtag. Do people use hashtags still? I honestly don't know. I don't know if that's such a thing. Many of you are like, what's a hashtag? I don't, is that a Thanksgiving side dish? I don't understand, but it's not. Uh, But many people might post hashtag blessed on their Thanksgiving picture, right? Hashtag blessed. Do you remember, I know I've shared this recently, so I didn't forget. I'm not I am reusing an illustration, but I am aware that I'm reusing it, okay? I know I talked about this at some point in time where I shared about this social media trend that took the uh, social media pages by storm in 2014, 2015, where we just saw hashtag blessed everywhere, right? And I read to you like a little excerpt from this New York Times article that kind of poked fun at the different things that people were feeling hashtag blessed, about, right? And they usually included things that just were really superficial. Um, And and so there's a number of ways that hashtag blessed has been used over the years. But um, I was drawn back to this idea again, in terms of like, what do we consider to be blessed? Or what do we consider to be our blessings? And I was really thinking about that this week in the spirit of thinking about Thanksgiving, gratitude, blessings that we're thankful for, all of that. And I came across another good article from that time frame because this was such an interesting social media craze that so many people were like paying attention to. So many people were curious about this hashtag blessed phenomenon. They were like, there's such a variety of, of, of things that people feel blessed about. And it's so interesting to see what this person feels hashtag blessed to have, right? And so uh, this, I found this article written by Medium author Melissa Grau, and her article was called The Hashtag Blessed Phenomenon, How the Hashtag Portrays the Power of Social Media. And here's what she says. Uh, she says, any social media user has seen it, They might have even used it, and I would say that I probably definitely used it at some point during that time. Some even swear by it. It's no secret that the phrase hashtag blessed has taken social media by storm, gracing the captions of pictures of Starbucks lattes, college acceptance letters, and fiery sunsets, among many other luxuries or accomplishments users feel a compelling desire to share with the rest of the social media world. The hashtag itself has been used to convey humility and gratitude while portraying an individual's esteemed accomplishments or picture perfect life. Use the air quotes, right? In other words, the hashtag blessed is a restrained way to essentially brag about how wonderful your life is, or at least that's how the rest of social media users interpret it. Uh, that may be a really extreme take on the hashtag blessed phenomenon, but I just find it really interesting. And, and here's where I'm going with this. I'm not aiming to poke fun at anyone who uses the hashtag or caption blessed. I use it. I have used it, okay? Well, and I'm also not saying that we should not consider our blessings. So neither one of these things is what I'm saying, okay? rather what really kind of captivated my attention this week and what i was really thinking a lot about was this challenge this idea to consider what does it mean exactly to be hashtag #blessed right what do what does it mean for us to be to be blessed what do we consider to be our blessings i think this is just an interesting space to kind of process like what do we consider to be blessings and then what do we read about blessings in scripture because Jesus has a lot of interesting things to say about what it means to be blessed in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount right when he's going through the Beatitudes and we see the Beatitudes and Jesus says some really interesting kind of seemingly backwards things about what it means to be blessed blessed are those who mourn Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, right? These are are things that we might not consider to be a blessing right away. And and today we're going to look at this passage in Philippians chapter 3 where I think Paul also challenges one's idea of what it means to be blessed, okay? Blessed in like the superficial ways that we use blessed. I hope you're with me on that. Do we understand that I'm not trying to (laughs) to knock you being thankful for things or considering your blessings. But this kind of superficial idea of what it means to be blessed, I think Paul challenges that too today. You see, where we're going to read today in Philippians chapter 3, just before this passage, Paul is spending a few moments focusing on his time as a Pharisee. And what you need to know about that is that Paul, at this time he was known as Saul, confusing, I know, try to... Try to stay with me, though. Saul's days as a Pharisee equals a hashtag blessed life, okay? So Saul could have very easily been the guy uh, posting on social media all of the things that he is hashtag blessed to have or to be, right? He was a prominent Pharisee. He was well-known. He was respected, He held a decent amount of power and influence, and with that came a great deal of respect. He had the pedigree. He goes on in the passage just before the one we're going to read today, and he goes through all of the things that qualify him as a Jewish man. He was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel. He was the tribe of Benjamin. He was the Hebrew of all Hebrews in regards to the law He was a Pharisee, as for zeal, he persecuted the church to show just how committed he was and he was successful at what he did. And as for righteousness based on the law, he says he was faultless. That would have been considered in Paul's day, hashtag blessed, right? For a Jewish man, it doesn't get much more blessed than Saul's life, his former life. And so it's going to make what we're about to read now all the more interesting as we see that Paul has sort of taken an inventory on his life. He's looking back at his life and how successful he was and how prominent he was. And he's looking back and he's taking an inventory and he's, he's got some things to say about it. He's got some thoughts and some opinions on how things have kind of shifted, perspectives have shifted. And so uh, I invite you to stand if you're able and, and willing We're going to read from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 3, verses 7 through 14. And this is what Paul says. Keep in mind all that we just kind of acknowledged with Paul, who was Saul. He says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Can we say thanks be to God? Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Some of you really are not sure where we're going with this, and you're like, wait a minute. Because Paul has some pretty striking things to say in this passage, and if we're going to continue talking about blessings and what it means to be blessed and kind of this idea of what we have in our minds of what it means to be blessed in the the way that we understand being blessed— Paul just said a lot of things in this passage that, that don't sound very uh, blessed, okay? Did you pick up on some of those things? I mean, come on, Paul was talking about, or there is the context of prison. That's not very blessed. Paul is in chains as he's writing many of these letters to the different churches. That is not blessed. He talks about loss and, and sufferings And he talks about death of some kind in this passage. Paul, man, those things are not hashtag blessed. That is not what we're looking for when we're considering uh, a life uh, that is blessed. And as Paul is kind of doing this inventory, okay? Because that's sort of what's happening here is that Paul is considering his former life, his former values, his former way of living and thinking. And he's thinking about all of these religious privileges that once seemed so meaningful, once seemed so sweet, so precious. They were more than life. And now he considers them to be worthless. He uses this word garbage, And I won't get too much into the nitty-gritty of the actual Greek word, but here's what you need to know about the word that Paul uses for garbage. Garbage is putting it very nicely, okay? The word that Paul actually uses, the Greek word, this would be a word that your mom calls an ugly word, and we don't say those kinds of words. Because the word that that Paul is using, even though garbage garbage could be kind of gross, But the word that Paul uses is so extreme that it brings to mind this idea of repulsiveness, nastiness, this idea of decay. Again, it's the word that your mom would say, we don't say that word. We don't talk like that, right? That does not bring pleasant images to mind for people. It would bring to mind for people rotting corpses, rotting food. So there's the garbage component but also like it brought to mind things like excrement. Oof, aren't you glad you came to church today? This is not pleasant at all. But this is the word that Paul uses to describe all of those things that he now considers to be his former life and former way of living and former way of doing things. It's not just uh, not valuable. It's not just garbage in the way that we think of garbage. It's like the uh, all-encompassing, term for garbage. It is absolutely repulsive to him at this point. This is how Paul regards the things that at one time made his life seem really successful, really meaningful, really valuable life that most would look at and say, that is a blessed life. Many would look at Saul, formerly Saul, and they would say, man, that's a blessed life. And he's taking this inventory and, and his assessment would have been really backwards at this point from, from what many would have thought. And so I was thinking about this this week and I, I wonder, what might we find if we take an inventory of our own lives? If we took an inventory of our own lives, what would we find? Another way of asking this question is, where do we look to find our fulfillment? Like what in life gives us meaning? What gives us value? What do we consider to be valuable and meaningful and fulfilling in this life? And how do we live our life based on whatever the answer to that question is? Are you with me? What does it mean to be Hashtag blessed. Is it the jobs, the promotions? Is that what we consider to be the most meaningful and valuable? And and if we have the right job and and get the perfect promotion, have we arrived and now we're hashtag blessed status? Is it the success, finding and living up to the American dream? Is that it? Is that what we're working towards? Are we working towards living a life that is fulfilled and given meaning by by the goal of of living the dream life of traveling in our retirement years? Is is that what we're working towards? Is, Is this hashtag blessed status based on what kind of home we have, what kind of cars we drive, the kinds of vacations that we take? Do we feel that our life has value and meaning by having this, large, important following on social media? Is our life given value and meaning by achieving all those educational goals that we have for ourselves? To get a little more personal for for those in this room, I wonder if we are searching for value and meaning and fulfillment by successfully following and keeping all of the church rules and traditions. Is that what's giving us value and fulfillment? Maybe for some, it's it's faithful church attendance and a, a special zeal for evangelism. Checking all the religious boxes, is that where we are finding our meaning uh, and value and fulfillment? Because not me as a pastor trying to be tied up with my performance in ministry. Oh, not at all. So this is just about you guys. I'm kidding. I considered this this week. Like, where do I find my... Meaning and my value is I'm like producing four sermons in one week this week, right? That'll make you analyze really quickly like where you're looking to find your meaning and value because it turns out that's a lot and not you're not going to do that really excellently more than likely. At least I'm not. But is this where my meaning and my value comes from? I had to really kind of consider that this week. And you'll notice that none of these things are bad. Please hear me when I say this. Right? None of these things are bad. These are all positive, good things. And working towards these things is not necessarily bad, right? These are not bad or shameful goals. The goal right now, the ideal right now is not to induce shame. The question though, if, I, if we can get back to the question, the question is not, are these good or bad things? If they happen, do we do we rejoice or mourn, <laughs> right? The question is, What do we look to or where do we look to find our meaning, our fulfillment, value? If we took an inventory of our life, is it possible that we would find that the things that seem to hold all of the meaning and all the value, at least based on what we've been told or taught, that these things actually don't fulfill us at all? Is it possible if anyone could boast in achieving the prosperous life, it's Paul, who was formerly Saul. you with me? He had this life that, that others would look at and say, that's who I want to aspire to be like. Right? If anyone had the, the the right to boast in their blessings or earthly privileges, it's Paul. Until that is, he has this encounter with Jesus. You know the story of Jesus. Of Saul, right? On the road to Damascus. And here's what I want to remind you about that story. Like, this is not a warm and fuzzy encounter with the living Lord, right? I don't think Paul walked away with just goosebumps from this encounter. Like, this was a radical encounter with Jesus. Where Paul, in a moment, had to consider the worth of his entire life in the light of who Jesus is and who Jesus is calling Paul to be. Right? Saul, why are you persecuting me? Right? And so in this moment, Saul had this reckoning, this radical encounter where everything changed, everything else in comparison to this Jesus, to this living Lord who calls, everything in that moment was worthless. When Paul had a real encounter with the living God, the God whom he had always claimed to follow and serve, and I don't doubt him, right? The man had the zeal. We can appreciate that. But when he really encountered Jesus, everything changed. And we see, what we find is that Paul failed to make any progress whatsoever toward the righteousness of God until he encountered Jesus. And everything changed. Not just his his sight, right? Not just uh, his life. What he considered to be valuable, important, meaningful, all drastically changed. The things that made Paul's life, that made up Paul's life were, were considered, that were once considered good things by religious people, all of a sudden, those things that made Paul successful, they left him lacking. And instead of Fulfilling his life, I think when he encounters Jesus, he recognizes that all these things kept him from finding fulfillment. Once Paul encountered the radical presence and love of Christ, his one desire from that moment on was to know Christ more, even if it meant knowing his sufferings. And we know that Paul knew suffering. Right, he says in this passage, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Don't you see that the great reversal that has taken place in Paul's life, it's not just happened because of Christ, because that's kind of how it sounds, right? Like, because of Christ, I've lost all things, and now you. But But he actually says it's because of the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. Right? Because of the greatness of knowing Christ, I now know that all of these things that I once considered important and valuable and meaningful, they actually mean nothing because now I know Christ and I don't want anything else. And and when Paul talks about knowing Christ, it is so much more than just a head knowledge so many pastors and and scholars and authors use this as an opportunity to point out and so you've probably heard this before that this kind of knowing that Paul talks about is a very intimate kind of knowing so intimate that it's often related to like the relationship between a husband and a wife it's that intimate it is a deep intimate kind of knowing that Paul is talking about here it's not just oh yeah i know a lot of verses, and I know a lot about God and about Jesus, but it's knowing Jesus and always wanting to know him more. And I love that in Paul's life, this intimate knowing began the moment that his life was radically changed, and he had experienced this knowing of Christ through every moment throughout his life, good, bad, and ugly, and there was a lot of ugly (laughs) There was a lot of suffering, and Paul took every moment as an opportunity to know Christ better in and through that suffering. I don't know if any of this is making any sense at all, but a few moments ago I asked what we might find if we take an inventory. Where do we find our fulfillment? What brings us fulfillment? What do we say gives us value and meaning in this life i would argue that that this passage urges us urges christians many who by the way do not know christ the way paul is talking about i don't know if that's you or not i'm just saying i i do believe that a lot of us do not know christ the way paul knows christ And so I would argue that this passage urges us to find our fulfillment in one thing and one thing only and everything else follows and that is knowing Christ and not just knowing about him, not just a head knowledge, but a heart knowledge, not just a going through the motions or I'm going to do this because this person wants me to and I'm going to serve here because this person wants me to, but it's compelled. It's an overwhelming desire to deeply and intimately know Christ and be known by Christ, both in times of joy and celebration, but in times of trial and suffering. That is what Paul is urging us today. In this passage, we are Invited to know Christ in this way. I'm almost done, but one of the things I observed as I read through the the whole letter of Philippians, I cannot help but think that for Paul, Christ's humility really draws him in because it's in chapter 2 of Philippians that we have uh, what is called the Christ hymn. It's this beautiful uh, passage of scripture that you know so well. I know you're familiar with it, but Paul just spends moments considering the humility of Christ. And I believe that that is what draws Paul in, that he is just so overwhelmed by who Jesus is and how Jesus lived his life that he is compelled to respond by living the same way. In chapter 2, He says that in our relationships with one another, we ought to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. He emptied himself by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, this Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. I think Paul is captivated by the humility and ultimately incredible love of Christ that is seen in his death and how he died to serve and to love the world, taking on the sin and shame of the world. But then Paul also experiences for himself Christ's resurrection, right? He's okay to die to self to live the way of Jesus and only live and pursue the way of Jesus because he knows the the power of the resurrection and he has experienced that in his own life. And so it's these two things, Christ's death and, and resurrection, that give Paul's life meaning and value at this point and this point going forward. I like how scholar Dean Fleming says, for Paul... To know Christ is to become like him. That's, to me, where the difference is between knowing Christ or, or knowing about Christ and knowing Christ. You become like him. You long to be more like him. The more we share in Christ's sufferings and death, not things we like to think about or talk about, not blessed, The more we share in Christ's sufferings and death, the more we are conformed to his likeness. And the more, it doesn't end there, the more we are shaped into his likeness, the more we will experience the ongoing power of his resurrection. For Paul, being blessed, I would guess, meant nothing more than knowing Christ both in his death and resurrection and anything and everything else is now considered worthless, meaningless, not bad, not sinful, not wrong, but compared to the surpassing, uh, of, uh, compared to knowing Christ in the way that Paul knew Christ, this was no longer the goal of life. This is no longer where we find value and meaning. So I'm going to ask the praise team to come. And as we consider a response here, I have to point out, I'm compelled to point out that I appreciate Paul's humility in verses 12 through 14. I love how he even repeats himself and says, listen, guys, I haven't got it all figured out, (laughs) right? Like I'm still working out what it looks like to live in this reality, In other words, I would imagine that there are some days for Paul and for us where we have to choose this day who we will serve, right? We have to make that conscious effort to walk in the ways of King Jesus or walk in the ways of this world. And the ways of this world doesn't necessarily mean sin, although it can, but just the values of the world that don't align with the values of a Christ-like way of living, and so I really appreciate Paul's humility, and I echo that this morning as I say, guys, we're still figuring this out. We're still figuring out what it, what it looks like for us to live in this way, in this truth, in this reality. But I have to say, I think Paul was on to something. The guy in chains, for the sake of the gospel, the guy who is perfectly content with living a life in chains because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, the guy who boasted in his sufferings and never took an opportunity for granted to know Christ more or to help someone else know Christ more, right? This guy seems really convinced that he now understands what it means to live a good life. Because he had a good life and it, as he found, wasn't all that good compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. And so as we close this morning and as we take a moment to respond, I want you to continue to think about that question of, if we took an inventory of our life's work, what does it reveal about what is meaningful to us? You understand what I'm asking? like Where do we find meaning, fulfillment, and value? If Paul is right... And if everything in life is garbage, meaningless compared to knowing Christ, is this what our life reflects? And the good news is you don't have to have it all figured out today when you leave. What I'm really inviting you to do is to open your heart before God and allow God to speak into your heart and to reveal to you what is the most important thing. What is your life oriented around? And may it be in knowing Christ, even in his death and the power of his resurrection. So God, we come before you and we invite you to search our hearts. Only you know our hearts and only you can inform our response. But God, in this moment, may we be open to reorienting, if it's necessary, our lives to reflect that the most important thing is knowing Christ. And God, if, if knowing Christ, if knowing you doesn't inform everything else that comes in this life, may we, through the power of your Holy Spirit, reorder things. May you fill us with more of you as you help us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I feel like that, uh, I felt it before Nikki said anything, so no worries, Nikki, but I know that that is a heavy word and um, I I, uh, assure you that I wrestled with the heaviness of that this week. And and so I want to end on this note, okay, because as soon as, Paul finishes that statement. Here's the next words, and I really want you to receive these as the benediction. Paul says, so all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things, right? So this is how we ought to view things. And if at some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Please leave with that that i don't expect you to leave having it all figured out and beating yourself up feeling like oh i've just lived the inventory list is not good it's not good it's not it's not been pleasing right like don't leave with that burden but allow god to make clear to you what he wants to make clear to you and then he says only let us live up to what we have already attained friends it's a journey it's a process It's a holy process. And if you open yourself up to to knowing Christ more, he will make himself known to you and you can follow in this way of living. So that is how I want you to leave this morning, allowing God to help you taking just one step at a time. Well, as you leave, you're going to know and remember that today is SAC Lunch Sunday. And uh, we've done this for, this is our third SAC Lunch Sunday. And we're still trying to figure out what works best for this time. Because the goal of SAC Lunch Sunday is an easy opportunity for fellowship where you don't have to do a lot of work. No one has to do a lot of work. That's the goal. I mean, we've got to do a little work because we've got to prepare lunch and bring it and all that. But uh, you're going to find that the tables and chairs are out there. But you got to figure out who you're going to sit with and you got to grab your table and your chairs and find a place. okay? because, again, we're trying to make this less work. And so people like Greg who want to set it all up ahead of time, I'm like, no, they can set up their own table. It's fine. We have people who can do that. And so we can all do that. Right. Is that okay? Is that cool? Uh, Set your table wherever you want. Find a place wherever you want and enjoy a meal. And conversation with others. We do have a few uh, Thanksgiving themed desserts right outside this door over here. A few ladies were willing uh, to make just some kind of fall themed desserts for us to enjoy in addition. So if you didn't bring anything for sack Lunch Sunday, if you forgot or you were not aware, please stick around. Uh, I'm, I have a feeling we have plenty of food to eat and plenty to share, and so I don't want anyone to miss out, okay? So you are loved. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful time of fellowship.